Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> And welcome back to season seven of the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, Lisa Niemi, writer, director, spokesperson for Pancan, and wife of the late actor Patrick Swayze. And in our advocate spotlight, Shannon Foley, young adult cancer advocate, executive director of Love, Hope, Strength. As a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. Online at i2y.com, we help young adults fight cancer every single day. And we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another fun-filled and exciting romp to the hay on tonight's stupid cancer show where remission not a cure, and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast all the way live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. Please welcome our chief cancer anarchist and vice president of grassroots programming, Jack Buffard. Hello, Jack. Hello, Good Jack. evening. How are you? Jack will be monitoring our live concurrent interactive chat room, so if you have questions for our guests, let them know. We all do our best to get them answered. And as always, we are joined by our fabulous broadcast production assistant, young adult survivor, Amanda Freeman. Woohoo! Lisa. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. It's good to be back again. You're looking well. Thank you. I got a new hat. I like it. I'm, I'm digging the hat big time. You make that hat look good. She rocks the hat. <laughs> I'm going to go with Jack on that one. Well, we have a, a, a if I may use an SAT word, a panoply oh. of amazing in-studio guests uh, this evening with us, live in-studio, uh, which is fantastic because now that we have a fantastic new studio that can accommodate 10 guests, 12 guests, it's nice to actually have all the seats filled in the house. So please join me in welcoming... 
Our Vice President of Operations, Kenny Kane. KK. Our, one of our senior interns for the semester, Mark Kwan. MQ. Um, Amanda Freeman's MK. friend, Carly Sorry. Brown. <laughs> Carly Brown, welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show. Uh, we have Jessica Wren um, and uh, a young lady named Amanda Nixon from the fantastic group Keep Abreast, which is one of our partners with the Spencer's wristband campaign. And Amanda's mom, Jen, is here. So that's quite a little compliment there. I'm going to give a little, uh, little applause for all of our in-studio guests. Thank you guys for coming on the show and sitting here live and watching us get all befuddled on what the hell we're doing. And it's great. They actually have comfortable chairs to sit on, too. Real that's chairs. Great. I think Real so. Real chairs. They're nodding their heads in agreement. They seem comfortable. Hand assembled by Guatemalans <laughs> in grade school. Yes, exactly. What? Oh, no. Matthew. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, manufactured by Guatemalans in grade school. My bad. That's better. Okay, there you go. We have a full chat room already. We have a full chat room. 27 guests already in the chat room. Wow. Uh, it's going to be a great show. It's going to be a really great show. I'm very excited. And again, continuing our streak, the Stupid Cancer Show has surpassed 305,000 listens worldwide, up 1,000% since January. That ain't shabby. That ain't shabby at all. We are awesome. We are super <laughs> hella good. Our guests are awesome. Yes, fantastic. They so, make it. Um, I don't know. What's in the news? What, what you guys, how, how was your week, Jack? What would you do? Uh, my week was busy. Still recovering from uh, my visit to Chicago where I hung out with our partners at Emmerman Angels and our friends at Be Bright Pink. Yeah, Lindsay was on the show last week, and the you best. actually saw her, Lindsay Abner from Be Bright Pink. No, it's from Bright Pink. Bright Pink. Change it. Bright Pink. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. But I do want to say something. You know, because we had Lindsay on the show and talking about the steps that women have to take to be proactive in in their breast cancer screening, a friend of mine wrote on my Facebook page. You know, I, I went to the Bright Pink website and I learned that I am at, at at a higher risk than most people, and I now know what to do to make sure that I'm going to be okay. And that just shows how. What awesome. it's all about. Yep, yep, yep. How awesome the advocacy world is, and it's all about educating people. And, you know, who knows? This could potentially save my friend's life one day. Jack, that was meaningful, insightful, and appropriate. Who took over Jack's body? Where the hell did you really go? <laughs> <laughs> it's the vision of the pod people. What happened was I only got hit in the head twice today. Okay. So. <laughs> no, it needs to be an odd number, so it never it doesn't flip back yet. Oh, that's true. Speaking of getting the message across, um, I think Jack is among those of us who wanted to get the message across to Mike Huckabee. Yes, Mike Huckabee. Are, um, is he Mormon? I don't even know. Uh, He's a minister, though, or a priest or something. Apparently he is a, a man of God in some respect, or maybe just by title only, not right. in, the, you know, in the spiritual humanitarian form of the word. Mike Huckabee opened up a can of whoop-ass on himself when he made a... Um, That's a technical it, word. It wasn't even an off-the-collar remark. It was a general remark at a, like a, 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 some sort of speaking engagement where he was trying to d- discuss why health care reform is bad. Now, he has no choice because that's law now, but his whole rhetoric stemmed around a metaphor or a euphemism that was just grotesquely uh, obnoxious. And uh, in, in no small short terms, here's what he said. He basically said, why should health and care, uh, companies insure people that have a pre-existing condition? It's the same as real estate. If you have a house and you go to a, a, a real estate insurance company and say, I'd like to get some homeowner's insurance. Sure, sir, tell me about your house. Well, it's burned down. Burned down yesterday. Burned down yesterday. So Mike Huckabee is conflating 
pre-existing medical conditions to insuring a house that burned down. And he even took it a step further because you know how a lot of these politicians, quote, unquote, misspeak and then they backtrack and they say, oh, you know, I didn't mean it that way and blah, blah, blah. I saw the full clip and he took it a step further and right after the burning house uh, comparison, he said, and what about like calling your auto insurance and saying, I would like to insure my car. And they say, okay, tell me about it. Well, I smashed it into a tree yesterday. Right. Or I, I totaled it yesterday, something like that. That's just really good stuff right there. No. <laughs> no. In opposite world. It made me want to punch a kitten. Yes. <laughs> That's the gift that keeps on giving. That is the gift that keeps on giving. But in all seriousness, he really did open up a can of weapons on himself. All these civil rights groups and healthcare groups and even Republicans were chastising him. The man himself has diabetes. You know, go figure, right? The irony of that. But you see, I don't really like, – first of all, I don't get too political – but I can't really hold Mike Huckabee in high intelligence, and this is just my opinion, because the guy was, like, so far mathematically eliminated from winning the Republican nomination a few years ago and chose to stay in the race. Right. So, I mean, like, what do you say about somebody like that? Here's what you say about something like that. Did he go away? And that's all I give Mike Huckabee Did he go away? right now. <laughs> So that's um, and this is a man who has diabetes too. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's horrible. It's just terrible. So, uh, but it also speaks to these people that are born with pre. I was born with my brain tumor. I didn't grow it. You didn't I just didn't grow it all on it. your own. I didn't like go to yeah. the Miracle Grow Home Depot department section and say, "Hmm, I'm going to seed my scalp." You're with such this an stuff. overachiever in every other area. I know. Matthew. I I try. Yeah, I, I try, know. and I'm really glad that you recognize that. Thank you. I mean, you thank me. I no longer need my therapy <laughs> session on Thursday. It's well, fantastic. you know, same with the whole insurance thing. A separate thing is with the health care uh, reform kicking in this week with the children's health care. Well, a big chunk of it. Yeah. Right, right, a big chunk of it. But the uh, insurance companies now can't, um, can't deny, like, child-specific insurance or whatever. I know where you're going with this. This is a crazy so, story, folks. So instead of, you know, dealing with these child-only policies, they just decided not to offer them at all. Right, rather than deal with the need to not discriminate, so they are now forced to give children their own unique policies separate from their parents, rather than deal with that, the loophole is they just don't offer it as a product anymore. Right. So, like, 300 million children, you know, that's a completely made-up number. Right. I don't think there are that many. It's actually a gajillion trillion. Okay. (laughs) A gajillion trillion children. Now... But I saw it on, you know, on the news this week when they were talking about it, and, and they and they profiled Matthew. We moved on. That joke was funny in the moment. But they they profiled this family where the uh, father. I don't know why I'm still He's gone because I'm hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and you're drunk. Yes. You must no, I'm not. Be. No, no, no. It's don't your pre-existing like condition. This, I was born with a pre-existing condition of. So awesome, many of them. handsome, and funny, and I just deal with it accordingly. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Back to watching the news last week when this health care thing uh, kicked off. They profiled this family, and the dad is a, a self-employed auto mechanic, does well, has a family policy in addition to his daughter's insurance because she has, uh, I, I, I think it was something with migraines or, or something where she needed to have, like, routine scans and, you know, a lot of follow-up care. And now she is ineligible for that type of insurance, and the family is going to pay out the nose in order to upkeep her her uh, medical uh, checkups and stuff. And 
It's we, just crazy because here we go. Here, here is a perfect example of a hardworking American family achieved the American dream only to have the rug pulled out from under them because of this. We need to get more politicians on this show, like the fabulous Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who she was on last week. She is a rock star. She, she rocked the house from Florida. If anyone missed our show last yeah. week, you can basically download them on iTunes. If you go to the link itunes.i2y.com, you will subscribe to the podcast. All of our shows will be downloaded every single week automatically. You'll never miss a beat. But last week's show was one for the books. One for the books. She's a survivor. Yes. Breast cancer survivor. And uh, more U.S. politicians coming up, folks. And she was actually she was on the news a couple of days after she did our show yeah, last Monday, talking the about the, yeah. the health care changes and everything. So, well, uh, like I know the, her. You do? Yeah. Remember, she's our friend Debbie. Oh, right. Yes, we, we were, can call her Debbie. We can call her Debbie. That's fantastic. And we did. And we did. Well, let's get to our uh, our advocate spotlight tonight. I'm very excited to have her on the show. Um, what time is it? All right, Shannon Foley here tonight from the Love, Hope, Strength Foundation, an international music-centric cancer charity dedicated to providing support for cancer centers and inspiration to those affected throughout the world. Their mission is to save lives right now with the advances that have already been made in cancer care. They don't fund cancer research. They use their funds to purchase medical equipment and supplies, raise awareness through special events, documentaries and media, build cancer centers, and find bone marrow donors. i got to tell you, folks, this is the rock star of all rock star cancer groups. Please welcome to the show, Shannon Foley. Shannon. Shannon. Hi, guys. How are you? How is everybody? Good. Fantastic. Yeah, long time coming. I'm sorry. We, I'm glad to have you on the show finally. Well, I am thrilled. And, um, of course, I'm, I'm sitting here on my ever so trusty home, you know, phone line that is now beeping that it's got low power. So I'm going to warn you that if I disconnect that um, I will call you back. <laughs> All right. Well, if we could ask you to speak up then a little bit just to keep uh, the sound going there. Oh, Did we, we lose her already? Oh, look at that. We love technology. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hope she calls back, and uh, let's just talk about love, hope, strength. Um, oh, that's it. Oh. Yep, we're out. <laughs> I guess she'll call back, folks. We've got to love the technology here. Anyway, Love, Hope, Strength is really the rock star organization um, out there. It's just fantastic. I'm going to pull up their site here. Lovehopestrength.org. And you can just tell, looking at the site, the rock and roll look to it, you yeah. can get a sense of they do some really great stuff. And again, it goes back to like the need to, um, you know, they don't fund research, but they fund the stuff that research needs to have to work, like equipment, <laughs> a hospital needs an MRI machine and whatnot, and then there you go. So um, it, it's just really a, a great website. They, um, again, it just goes back to this need to take cancer into the mainstream, destigmatize it, make it hip, make it cool, make it something people can talk about, and they're doing an amazing job with that. They're worldwide. They are worldwide. Uh, Shannon, are you back on the line? Nope. I think we lost her. All right. She's going to call back, hopefully. But in any case, uh, until she gets back on the line, I did want to mention to everyone here that um, the OMG Summit, which is our annual international conference, is being planned for April of 2011. There will be a save-the-date going out very soon to... God knows how many thousands of people. Yeah, um, people, people have been asking me, and, you know, 
we are working with different venues and trying to square down our keynotes and, and the dates. So we'll get those dates out soon. Yeah, we will get those dates out soon. But prepare yourselves, folks. There will be an amazing, uh, just an amazing gathering. It's, we're going to blow the doors off everything, and we're going to empower our community to help us fundraise for it, too. So you'll look out for the OMG Fund, which will be launched very shortly, to help you make a difference for you. And with that, we're just going to cut to the news until Shannon gets back. So with that said, here we go. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. All righty, folks. During this part of the radio show, we listen to Jack Buford stammer through a series of stressful announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff that we don't want you to not know about. Free stuff like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, concerts, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like to hear broadcast during this part of the show, please send an email to Jack Buford. His email is jack at i2y.com. That's jack at i2y.com. All right, bro. This is all you. Thanks, Pat. All right, folks, here's your stupid cancer news. First off, head on over to events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. Special uh, happy hours are upcoming in certain cities, so head on over to events.i2y.com, and again, that is where you can also see all the OMG updates. Join Team Stupid Cancer, the nation's first running team, exclusively supporting young adults. Slots are still open. We're down to like eight of them for the 2011 New York City Half Marathon in March. So if you would like to join us and run for us and raise money for the Odyssey Young for the Cancer Foundation, head on over to team.stupidcancer.com. If you're too lazy to join us and just want to make a donation on our behalf, you can head on over to team.stupidcancer.com and pledge for your favorite runner. All right, folks, seeing that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults in the cancer world, I've created the Booth News blog. Everyone needs to check out boothnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F I2Y.com. These include surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. I just added the Planet Cancer Livestrong Retreat for 2010. There's a retreat happening. Speak into the mic. I, am I not speaking into the mic? Sorry. Okay. The Livestrong Plate of Cancer retreats that are upcoming are in Philadelphia, Friday, October 15th through October 17th. And New Orleans, Friday, November 12th through Sunday, November 14th. And that is in New Orleans. So head on over to planetcancer.org. Sign up for these awesome retreats. Tell them the Stupid Cancer Show sent you, and have a blast. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. All right, we're going to have to we're going to have to glue the microphone. What happened there? You 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 were you doing this? You were reading, and your head started facing this way, and no one could hear what you were saying. I apologize. Can't do it again. Four times I ran over there to fix the mic. Those are the glitches that we can work out without the listeners having to exactly be dragged through it. Do you want me to do it again? Hi, folks. This no. is a professional broadcast. Welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show. Oh, dear God. Well, we I, have uh, Shannon back on the line, I yes? think Shannon is back on the line. Uh, Shannon, are you back with us? I am back. Fashionably late, as always. Okay. All right. Well, you're still a little low in volume. Could we ask you to just speak as loud as you possibly can into your phone? I certainly will, and sorry about that. 
That's all right. We want to hear all all about the good stuff that uh, Love, Hope, Strength has coming up. I'm looking at your events charts here, and uh, you're all over the place. We are all over the place. Um, We have got chapters in the U.S., in the U.K., Australia, and most recently in Peru. So um, we have literally got events going on all over the world at the moment. Exotic locales, Peru. Tell us about a few things. I see you've got um, some stuff coming up in Austin, Austin City Limits, Livestrong. Tell us where uh, you'll be around uh, the grand old U.S. here so folks can uh, want to catch up with you. Absolutely. So um, a couple things coming up. I mean, for, just to kind of lay the groundwork, what we do is we use music to save lives. And that's whether we're putting on a concert somewhere in the world or we are attending concerts like Austin City Limits, um, we're going to be coming down to Austin and setting up a booth throughout the entire festival and giving people a chance to register to become a bone marrow donor free of charge. And our whole idea is kind of let's, you know, bring this out to the masses and, and stop making bone marrow registration something that you only do when your sibling or friend is in need of a transplant. We want people registering, you know, same way you do to become a, an organ donor or sign up to give blood. Everybody should be registered to be a marrow donor. And Shannon, I, I have a relationship with MTV, and I know they do a whole lot of stuff with Planned Parenthood uh, to get people swabbed whenever they go in there. Uh, do you envision that being sort of a way to engage people, uh, meeting them where they're already at, and just tell them that there's really no stigma, this is just a swab, and boom, that's it? We do. I mean, we have gone to music festivals and concert venues all over the United States. I mean, that's our big plan of attack. But long term, we're working with the International Coalition of Cancer to try to make this so mainstream that when you go to get your, your checkup at the dentist, that you get your cheeks swabbed right there while you're sitting in the chair. I mean, why not? You're there. You've got an opportunity. Um, The biggest problem is that people just aren't being asked to become bone marrow donors and people aren't being given opportunities to do it. And another huge issue is that there's such an an unbelievable cost associated with becoming a bone marrow donor. Um, And with our partner, DKMS, we are able to register people free of charge at all of our music festivals. Yeah, we've had Alina on the show uh, and Katarina a bunch of times, and I see them all the time when we're in the New York when they do their uh, their drives. Um, what do you think is the is the barrier to that? Do you think that there's a stigma? People think that by becoming a bone marrow donor, they're obligated to something, or is there a statistic you use to destigmatize it, or you know that you know that people do people think they're going to die if they become a bone marrow donor? People think they need to be dead to be a bone marrow donor. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that we hear, and. And the other thing is that people think it is insanely invasive and um, a painful procedure. And really, it's so much has changed these days. I mean, you can give, become a bone marrow donor as an outpatient procedure. And most people think that they're going to be out of work for a month and they're not going to be able to walk. I mean, we hear it all. Um, so our biggest thing is if we can educate, especially the young people, you know, here in the United States about how easy it is to be an actual donor but getting registered is just a cheek swab. I mean, you don't even have to donate blood anymore in order to get signed up. Um, so, so our whole thing is, is education and, and getting over those stigmas of it being painful. I mean, I get so angry when I see movies like, I think it was Seven Pounds, when you see Will Smith, you know, donating marrow as a way to, I don't know, atone his sins. And it was like, oh, you're, you're, you're literally killing people by having, you know, helping the stigma grow. So our whole thing is getting out to the youth, getting out through some, you know, a way that we can communicate like music and break down that stigma that it's just, it's easy, it's painless to get registered and becoming a marrow donor is an outpatient procedure these days. 
Shannon, I'm looking at your website, and I'm seeing a lot of big names here. Slim Jim Fanton from the Stray Cats, uh, Jimmy Barnes, all these musicians. Uh, we've got, uh, boy, Glenn Tilbrook from Squeeze, The Fix, a lot of big names here. Derek Trucks, uh, the great blues musicians. These guys are all, these are uh, directly affiliated or indirectly, or how does that exactly work, your relationship with musicians? Directly and indirectly. I mean, uh, Glenn Tilbrook, we recently went on tour with him and, and Squeeze around the United States, and at every single one of his concerts, we were in the room swabbing cheeks. Um, we had Slim Jim Phantom and, and people like Donovan Frankenreiter go around the world with us and, and do these crazy concerts on top of mountains. We just did a concert on top of Mount Fuji with Donovan Frankenreiter. And, um, and we raised money to build cancer centers all over the world. Uh, we're currently in the process of building the first children's cancer in Tanzania right now. And Slim Jim Phantom actually climbed to the top of Kilimanjaro and performed on top of Kilimanjaro in order to help us raise those funds. Top ten things least likely for me to do on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about we that. We try to make it interesting. You know, we take music, we, we take adventure. You know, we, we kind of went out there and said, what what would I want to do to raise money for cancer? And Personally, I was over, you know, the walkathons and and the black tie dinners. I wanted to do something like an extreme adventure and to be able to hike a mountain with someone like Glenn Tilbrook by your side playing music every day. I mean, what better inspiration to get to the top of a mountainside? So I'd love to get your take on cancer research. It has its own interesting politics and stigma behind it. Uh, you may know that we are partners with Stand Up to Cancer, which is the only organization in the country who's philosophy, I believe, in as far as translational outcomes and genomics. Um, do you have a, a, a comment on, on any of that? Absolutely. I mean, our, our foundation actually goes as far as to say in our mission statement that we don't fund cancer research. And one of the reasons that we say that and we say it so boldly is that we think there are organizations out there such as, you know, the Stand Up for Cancer Initiative, the Live Strong, you know, everything that's going on out there that's so much money is being put into research, which is obviously so important. But what our foundation looks at is what about all the places in the world that don't have access to what has been found in cancer care already? Um, you know, we, we set out at a very, you know, at, at our inception when our, our founder, Mike Peters from The Alarm and, and James Chippendale from CSI Insurance, when they decided to start this foundation, they, they said the one thing is we just want to make sure that people have access to all of that good research that's been done in the world. Um, so when we did our first event, which was a concert on Everest, we funded the fir very first mammography machine and radiation machine for the country of Nepal. And, you know, in Nepal, they're not worried about research. They're worried about what happens if I'm diagnosed? Can I even get treated in my country? Or am I, do, do I even have the means to get diagnosed, which, you know, a mammography machine wasn't even available in that country. So when it comes to research, I mean, it's obviously our foundation wouldn't exist if it, without organizations like Livestrong and Stand Up to Cancer and, and everything that the, these amazing people are doing. But our whole feeling is once that research leads to good, let's make sure that people have access to it. And, Shannon, as somebody who's covered entertainment, uh, I'd like to know, how did, uh, how did a uh, front guy for the alarm, Mike Peters, get involved in initially starting this organization? Mike is a two-time leukemia survivor. Um, he most recently uh, was diagnosed in, gosh, I'm forgetting the year now. I think it was 2007 with his second battle of cancer. Um, but anyway, Mike, when he was going through his second battle of cancer, 
was in a hospital in Wales and um, said to all the doctors and nurses, when I get out of here, I'm going to show you guys what I can, that, you know, that I have overcome this and overcome this for good. And we're going to climb to the top of the mountain that he could see outside of his um, hospital room. And he said, we're all going to hike up there. I'm going to do the concert for you guys and thank you for all the, the research or all the work that you've done for us. And um, it was actually the doctor in his hospital that said, Mike, if we're going to do this, let's do it as a fundraiser and do me a favor. Don't give the money to an organization that we aren't going to see tangible results within our community. Let's give the money here and let's build a better and greater cancer center than what we've already got. So Mike really started out by saying, you know, I'm just going to climb to the top of the mountain outside of his hospital room, do a concert for the local nurses and doctors, and give back to his local community. And um, from there, this foundation was born. And then, you know, somebody threw out the idea, if you're going to go to the highest point in Wales, let's go to the highest point in the world and show people what survivors are really made of. So that's when we set out to um, do a concert on Mount Everest, and we brought along amazing survivors that are uh, familiar with you guys, such as, you know, Sean Swarner and um, Sean's Aaron a good Thompson. man. One lung, yeah. hiked every yeah. peak in the, in the world. <laughs> you know, I'm, he's a slacker. Yeah, you amazing. guys are all amazing. We got a lot of those on the show. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, I mean that's, that that was really it. Is it started with Mike, two-time cancer survivor, two-time leukemia survivor, and James Chippendale, who's um, who's a bone marrow recipient himself, and um, very simple goal: let's music, use music to save lives. And climbing mountains ever since. Yeah, well, I can't. And I, you guys, uh, and by the way, I love your newsletters. I, I feel like it happens every other day that I get a newsletter from you. But whenever it is, it feels like it just I belong to it. It's such a great. Whoever does it, whatever it is, fantastic every time. Thanks. I mean, we just try to make it fun, and you know, we've obviously got amazing, fun people involved with our organization, and it's really easy to do a newsletter when you've got you know really great rock stars involved and amazing stories to tell. So, thank well, you. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You guys are amazing. Um, I love that we can cross-pollinate and we're on the same page with everything. And uh, Just your website for all our listeners. Lovehopestrength.org. So please sign on and um, add a name to a prayer flag, which we carry around the world with us every year. And um, Hopefully for any of you listeners that are going to be in Austin, come over to the booth and get your cheeks swabbed to become a marrow donor. Fantastic. And get your hiking boots yes. ready, ready too. <laughs> yeah, I think we're uh, we're looking at Siberia next year, maybe a hike in Hawaii on the coastline. So wow. definitely uh, get on the website and come join us, all you survivors out there. We'll uh, we're looking forward to an adventure. Well, right. thank you, Shannon, so much. Take care of yourself and good luck. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, guys. Shannon, seeing you in Love, hope, strength. All good stuff. All good stuff. And uh, I'm guess now it's time for our uh, our signature guest. I am uh, going to. Uh... All right, let's bring her out. I'm sorry, I got lost Matthew, in the days. Did we lose you? Yeah, lost me it's for a second. Time for our very special guest. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. I had a and little brain fart there. You certainly did. An actress, dancer, writer, and director. Lisa Niemi's credits include One Last Dance in 2004 and Without a Word, an original play she wrote, directed, and starred in with her late husband, actor Patrick Swayze. She directed Patrick in a 2008 episode of his A series, The Beat, and co-wrote his memoir, The Time of My Life. Lisa's currently writing a new book in which she discusses her process of grief and how she's moved forward with her life since Patrick's death from pancreatic cancer just over one year ago. She is spokesperson for PanCan, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, and supports 
supports the Patrick Swayze Pancreas Cancer Center Research Fund at the Stanford Cancer Center in memory of her husband of 34 years. Please welcome to the show our very special guest, Lisa Niemi. Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi there. Lisa, so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, uh, my pleasure. And uh, I was listening to a little bit of what was being talked before about hiking up mountains and everything. It sounded fantastic. I know. That's a great organization. Love, hope, strength. Oh, we try to make everyone else feel bad about themselves by showing other people who hike up Mount Everest. With one lung. Yes. <laughs> Ouch. Yes. Well, you, we know you're very active. You're an outdoors person. You love animals and yeah. have a ranch. And so you'd be great at doing something like that. <laughs> well, Patrick and I were always very adventurous, so those things appeal to us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us, because I know you, you've just kind of passed the, the, the one-year uh, mark for his death uh, was September 14th. Is that right? And I know a little bit that you were kind of having some feelings about that. How, how was that for you? It was, uh, it, it was terrible. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean frankly, it, it was really hard. I, I, and, it, and a, lot, a lot of these anniversaries, it's more the anticipation of it coming that is the worst thing. And the actual day is not so bad. This one was a little harder than that. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and it just, it just kind of made it all fresh. It just made it feel like, uh, you know, I lost them only yesterday or last week. And, and, but I have to say about a week later, I'm, I'm starting to kind of come back again. So. Yeah. But, it, but it, was a t- it was a tough couple months leading up to that. Absolutely. I mean, in, in terms of this, the year in general, I know there's, there's days where you've said that you kind of just want to put your head under the pillow, I imagine, and then you go out and kind of then need some days to recoup for yourself, right? Oh, my gosh. You know, the, <laughs> the journey with uh, uh, just trying to uh, deal with the loss. And, and, and I have a good friend that says, you know, because I asked her, I said, well, everyone's saying it's going to get better. And she goes, you know what? It's not that it really gets better; it's that it gets more manageable. Yeah. And and I, you know, we as human beings are incredibly adaptable. Uh, we're an incredibly adaptable species. But you know, I, and you, the moment in time that you're reminding me of is, uh, you know, because I, I, you know, part of what can happen, and it's different for everybody, is you can, you can have just some serious classic depression. And uh, you know, and I could, I could get myself, I could rally myself together and go out and function and do some of the stuff that I need to do. It's just like when our book, uh, Time of My Life, came out. I had to go out and do some press because if, if nobody knew about the book, they couldn't buy it. <laughs> sure. And I wanted everybody to, you know, know what a wonderful life he's had and what a, how hard he's worked for what he's gotten. And uh, but you know, and so I could go out and function, but I would pay for it later. You know, yeah. I just like I'd be knocked out for a few days, and um, or you know, or even where I, you know, I repainted my bedroom, so I had to move everything out of my bedroom, and I carry one thing out, and then I have to sit and rest for 20 minutes, and uh, I'm not nearly that. <laughs> not that I won't be, it might not be at some point again, but I'm not. You know, I've definitely kind of, for the most part, gotten back, that, gotten past that kind of. Uh, that kind of, I don't know, that being knocked down. Yeah, I think it's so important uh, for people to hear you, to speak this way, that you're being so honest about 
how difficult it can be to, to grieve somebody. I mean, I really applaud you for, for being so, again, so vocal and so honest about it because it's so tough for so many people who I think just try to push through, but there's some days when uh, you just can't. Oh, I, and I'm a huge pusher-thrower. <laughs> yeah. I am. I am a total type A personality. Yeah. So That's I, my new I T-shirt. Feel like, huh? That's my new T-shirt. <laughs> Pusherthrower.com. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, you know, it's hard for me to kind of, uh, hard for me to relax. But, you know, just not do anything. I start feeling guilty. I have to do something. Uh, but the, uh, uh, God, I lost my point. We're just talking about uh, going into this whole process, you know, the in the aftermath of, you know, battling this illness. Of course, you're, you're totally exhausted because you it takes everything you have and everything else is on hold and even the tears that you've kind of built up all that time you've put on hold you know or i did because i wanted to be there for him sure you know me crying all the time wasn't going to help anything so and i always thought i'm going to cry later i'll have you know this is you know i can hold on to this stuff for however long i need to and then then i'll cry sure but uh so let's ba- let's let's backtrack a little bit if we can, Lisa, um, to talk about uh, Patrick's diagnosis, which I know he kind of had minimal symptoms. Is that right? Yeah, and you know he he's always had some uh, indigestion problems, and you know this is one of the problems with pancreatic cancer is it's very very difficult to diagnose early enough to really do anything about, and uh, but you know his his indigestion in the course of Gosh, you know, three to four weeks as it just got bad enough that you know he was he was really kind of struggling, and then he he got jaundice, and that you know the, the jaundice, moment I saw yeah. the jaundice, uh, he came up to me and goes, "Do my eyes look yellow to you?" And I went, "Ah, yeah, this was on a Sunday," and I, you know, and the next day we had him into the doctor to see what was going on because you know. The indigestion was something, but some could be just, you know, problems. But the jaundice definitely indicated something not normal. Right. And then when when you hear the words pancreatic cancer, I mean, he knew that those were not, he knew the odds were, were, were pretty slim from the get-go. Is that right? Oh, he had, you know, he's gone on these trail rides with all these cowboys and stuff. And they all talk, it's the boys' ride, you know, on the horseback and, <laughs> And they talk about, you know, men they know, and anytime anyone, it had come up about pancreatic cancer, that so-and-so had pancreatic cancer, it was like, well, he's out of here. Huh. And uh, when Patrick heard that about himself, he goes, oh, well, I'm a dead man. And, wow. uh, but, of course, that didn't, that didn't stop him from fighting. And Lisa, yeah. if I could ask you a question. I mean, obviously, we're, we're a national cancer organization. We deal with bereavement all the time. Uh, did you have support? I mean, as a caregiver, the conversation is, is very rarely in your favor. The national dialogue about cancer is so patient-centric, it, it, it's often like the people that are actually there doing all the legwork, pouring their hearts and souls of this, and as you say, sort of suspending emotion, um, get lost in the conversation. Did, did you have a network of support and I, as, as a caregiver? I, You know what, my friend, I, and, and of course there are some... There are people at the hospitals that kind of offered, but you know what? It's it, we're just because the nature of Patrick being 
quite famous, I'm always very careful about who I share things with, even if, I mean, the leak about his illness came from my hospital. So <laughs> came from know. the hospital. Yeah, it came wow. from someone in the medical profession. Yeah. And, uh, uh, which, of course, is a felony, but, you know, it didn't stop them. But I have some really amazing, amazing friends, very, very wise. And uh, uh, one friend in particular, Kay, when I called to tell her, and there were only two people, personal, personal friends of mine that I told early on, uh, she said, well, that's it. All the rules are out the window. We do what we need to do from here on out. And, uh, yeah, but but the whole, actually, the reason why I'm working on this this new book has to do with that whole caregiver experience, which, of course, there are, there's a lot of material out there, and there are a lot of books written from uh, the, the, can, the person with the cancer. You know, yeah. there's a lot out there in dealing with that, and not so much with the caregiver, because, you know what, cancer sets out, uh, cancer sets out to destroy Everyone in the past. Yeah, it's it's it, it it just worms its way through the whole family, and it's just you know it's it's it happens to everybody when it happens to someone you love. And so, tell us about uh, now as a as an advocate and a spokesperson for the Pancreatic Action Network, PanCan. There's a couple of efforts going forward. Is there a, a video that's right that you're involved in? And yeah, they they did a little video, and they have this wonderful thing where. You well, you can call in and share or send in your own video, send in your own story uh, to share about the, the, the loved one in your life yeah. and how they are fighting it and how they are dealing with it. And it's really wonderful because, you know, of course, pancreatic cancer is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a merciless disease. It's a, it's a tough one. If you're going to fight it, you better be ready for a really good fight. And, and uh, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, uh, in, in addition to providing great services and resources and information, they also make a great effort to show the positive, uh, a lot of positive stories and people who have made it, you know, like X number of years and some some very long. Uh, Lisa, I, I have the privilege of uh, seeing you live at Stand Up to Cancer. I was one of the many advocates in the audience um, that Rob Lowe acknowledged uh, toward the end of the show. And, I mean, first of all, the, the tribute they put together, Laura Ziskin's a friend of ours, uh, was fantastic. Uh, do you have any uh, stake or say or comment on the philosophy of Stand Up to Cancer and its potential to influence pancreatic cancer survival? Well, <laughs> they've given a tremendous amount of money to some pancreatic cancer uh, programs. I know, I, I, I guess I, I was getting ready to go on, so I didn't see the film clip of, it's Dr. Haas in Arizona, but they did do something on him, right? Yes, it was a, oh, okay. a, a really honor, honorable, uh, respectful tribute. Uh, you know, it's, I'm, you know, I of course, you know, you go into these things because it, no matter what kind of cancer people are fighting, everybody deserves a chance to survive. And we work very, very hard in that endeavor. And uh, that, so I'm happy you know, when I'm going to do stand up to cancer, I'm happy that it's actually helping anybody. But of course, and, but then I'm especially thrilled and surprised when some of the funds go get directed towards pancreatic cancer because of the five major cancers, it is severely underfunded. It is, it's 
it's unbelievably underfunded in comparison to the other top five ones, cancers. And, uh, and the statistics have been so grim and have not changed in 40 years. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm naive enough to kind of look at this and say, okay, I'm in this until I can change this. I'm going to do my best because that has to turn around. We have to, you know, there has to be the funding because you have to attract the, the scientists. You know, they can't do that work with, unless they have some kind of funds. And, and uh, you know, I want to get this thing turned around because, it's, uh, of course, I'm very sensitized to losing a loved one, and I don't want to see people lose their loved ones either. Well, you've got the, you've got the, that's the only way to, to, to view it is you're in this to turn this thing around. So, uh, we applaud you for that. The Patrick Swayze Pancreas Cancer Center Research Fund, folks, we're, we're posting all these websites actually in our chat room right now so folks know where to go if they want to learn more information or donate. That's up at Stanford University, correct? Can you tell us more about that? Yes, yes. And, and of course, Patrick, uh, the, the bulk of his, uh, treatment was up at Stanford. He was in a clinical trial up there with Dr. Fisher, who is, just you know, just really a brilliant doctor, and we just we absolutely loved him up there, and his treatment was so wonderful. And and after after Patrick left us, uh, I was talking with Dr. Fisher, and he said, "Well, what how what do you think about setting up this fund?" And I thought, you know, I was just you know, of course it's near and dear to my heart, you know. Mm-hmm. And and this and but the one at Stanford goes specifically to Stanford and and what they're doing over there because they have a, they're just, you know, there are a few hospitals in the country that have, that are really set up to look at pancreas cancer. And, uh, you know, Stanford's one, the one in Arizona is, MD Anderson, John Hopkins. And, uh, you know, there are are certain places that you really need to go to get the most cutting-edge treatment. And uh, uh, so this Patrick's Fund is specifically for the people at Stanford who were instrumental in his treatment and who we were very grateful for because he, he went on a treatment that uh, helped him live in a very, very full way for many, many months. He even went back to work on the, on the, on the Beast, as, which you directed an episode of, right after his diagnosis, the Zany series. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So... Uh, and that was because of the treatment that he had received, and yeah. and they're working, you know, they're working diligently on, particularly on early detection, you know. So is that I'm possible? Like, I, I mean, want more than you... early detection. Right. <laughs> how does I one want detect? Cure, damn it! Well, that's that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I mean, I'm I'm uh, we're colleagues with Fran Drescher and and the cancer schmancer movement, who uh, herself a uterine cancer survivor. She likes to say that the cure stage one is the cure that when it comes to these sort of orphan diseases with low survival rates, um, is it possible that you can catch it early enough where sort of early detection trumps prevention? Do you have a comment on that? Well, I know that really kind of what it takes is a CT scan. And, uh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I may not have. I may not have really listened to your question. I was starting to daydream. <laughs> the last part. Are you saying that? Are you say that again? Well, you had mentioned that we're looking for a cure, and I, I said that our friend Fran Drescher likes to say that stage one is the cure, um, in terms of detection of pancreatic cancer and reducing, you know, reducing the risk of it always being stage four and always being, you know, pretty much uh, an unfortunate, uh, you know, short-term diagnosis. 
with, with, with respect to Pancreatic Awareness Month coming up in November, is there a, a big picture, you know, uh, sort of action or task that you're looking to charge the medical community with to, you know, hopefully improve the odds? Well, you know, certainly early detection is is among some of, it would be extremely valuable <laughs> with pancreas cancer. Like I said, I want a damn cure. You know, that's, that's what another I t-shirt. want. <laughs> yeah. That's another but T-shirt. The, <laughs> but the, I want a damn cure. Uh, the, the, uh, but well, it's just like you know what we've you know really has been drummed into our heads about breast cancer, early detection, early detection, because you have a much better chance of doing something about it if you catch it early enough. And uh, and the same with pancreas cancer, there are treatments that can prolong your life uh, <laughs> by many years. But uh, but still, the prognosis is, you know, the fatality rate is is uh, is not a not a fun thing to think about. But I tell you what, you know, I was that I had uh, almost almost a whole entire two years with Patrick after he's diagnosed. Well, let me see what's it. 22 months, uh, I valued that more than anything. And if I would have been able to have even another year, two years, three years, all of that would have been precious to me. And if and it had been detected earlier, that would have been valuable in his treatment because he, he, there would have been other treatment options. As it was, he, he was very limited what could be done. Yeah. And we, what, he had to, what he had to have done was all experimental because... There are no adequate treatments out there for pancreas cancer. Sure, and he was in the clinical trials, as you said, up of the yeah, cancer the, there. Yeah, you had you had to because it's just far too aggressive and a, a disease. And and uh, you know, if you were if you were going to fight it, you were going to have to bring out the biggest gun you had. Sure, Lisa, yeah. talk about um, through all of this. So he's stage four, and uh, you're the caregiver, and you're right there. Of course, you have this added layer that many people don't have of the public nature of you and Patrick, and as you mentioned, the leak even coming out of the hospital of all places itself. So you've got that as an added layer to manage through all of this. Paparazzi on uh, some of his last days following you around. How did you possibly deal with that, and and how did Patrick? It was. You know, it was very, it was very hard, and uh, of course, we wanted to know what was going on, and uh, uh, well, and you know, did you hide the I, magazines from him if you were at a store? You know, or I you asked, not- there was one that came through, and he was always asked if he wanted to see it, and in this one, I said, "Do you want to see this or or not?" I don't think you should. And he goes, "Absolutely." <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to know. I want to know what's going on here, and because we would have very upset family and friends calling, and they weren't sure what was right and what was wrong, and and what Patrick said was the, you know, just really hits the nail on the head, because that you know the most precious commodity you have as a patient and as a family is hope, and uh, it's a. Uh, very, you know, in finding a tough disease like that, it's a very precious and fragile thing. And, you know, kind of the tabloid report, because in general they were, you know, pretty much killing them off every other week. You know? Yeah. I was, yeah. 
I was giving him tearful goodbyes, and he was collapsing, and they were showing photos of his father's and sister's grave, oh, and Pat with an arrow pointing to where Patrick wanted to be buried, wow. which was not true. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, this is like every other week, and, and what that what that does when, you know, here they are putting on this national and international level, this kind of news, and it 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 wants to rob you of that hope. It try you know just the news tries to rob you of that hope, and it's the and hope is the, the most precious thing you have to hold on to. Absolutely, you know our chat room and, is and just, you know hope like uh, I was just working on my some of my writing stuff and and uh, uh, you know and when I'm talking about hope, hope is not this floaty, wonderful oh gosh feeling. Hope is like. Hope in this situation takes courage beyond courage, and it, and it's because you, you know, you know what it's like to go through hell and come back again, and still hope. Yeah. And uh, it's a hard thing to come by, and it's a hard thing to hold on to. So it's it's uh, and to have the tabloids kind of always beating, trying to beat that down is, but that was hard. It took a lot of took a lot of uh, strength to get through that. Had to be grueling. Our, our chat room, by the way, is absolutely on fire with questions. I mean, people are comments are coming in that, like, I cried when Patrick died. People want to know about diets. Uh, people want to know just everything about you guys and and about him. But let's address um, let's address anything in terms of he he was a he was a smoker. Is that right for for yeah. some years? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So any feeling about a link to that, or they don't? It's it's not. They, you know what, and we we asked our doctor point blank about that, and you know because there is a statistic that thirty percent of uh, smokers can get, or thirty percent of pancreas patients possibly have gotten it from smoking. And uh, and did Patrick get it from smoking? He may have, and he may not have, and there's really no way to really really know that. So. Any thoughts about diet? Did any talk, doctors ever do, mention any that, that any links to you about about foods to consume? Uh, well, you know, with, with this, uh, and I'm sure with many other cancers, is, is uh, of course it has this a voracious appetite, and uh, so what you feed your body, it's feeding it also. And you know, we were warned about going on, you know, these. High vitamin, deluge your body stuff because it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. Because uh, you know your body may going what what and the tumor's going yay yay more more. <laughs> so and really what it came down to and 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 it was a little frustrating and I think that things could improve in this area because it's it's so hard to keep nutrition going and you know it's like every every. Every other day we were reinventing the wheel or trying to figure out what was the best way to get the best nutrition and with the most calories. With the most and, calories, uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was very interesting for me to go into a grocery store after, you know, because I put on a little weight and I, I look at all the packages now, you know, and I can't buy that. It's got too many calories. And here I, it was a big case for me to go in and open the, the freezer things and, going this is not good enough i need it over 400 calories for that meal you know and so i'm looking for the highest calorie stuff what it you know and i i've read a lot of material from other 
caregivers, like on the pan- Pancreatic Cancer Action Network site, where they where they're like, whatever he wants to eat, <laughs> and that's what it came down to. If you want to eat ice cream, go please. for it. Yeah, well, that was my that was my prognosis, Lisa. I was diagnosed with brain cancer in college, and I, I gained I lost so much weight so quickly from the treatment, 110 pounds in three months. That my my uh, my neurosurgeon, my radiation oncologist, and my hemonc doctor prescribed three pints of vanilla Haagen Dazs a day for three months, and I still kept losing weight. So you got to give credit where credit's due, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Eating. Eating and nutrition is a can be a huge challenge, and of course there are reports about all this. He's on this macro. I have a puppy who's just we hear whining. the do- we hear the dogs. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. That's that's who's my 125 pound Ridgeback who wants out. Oh, awesome, sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, there are reports he's doing this macrobiotic diet and everything, and I'm we're like I'm just happy if I can get him to eat whatever. <laughs> Yeah. So tell us that. So you're working on this book now, and with the focus yeah. of which is uh, is grief, correct? Well, actually, it it really deals with the that the whole uh, experience of fighting fighting the disease and 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 the immediate aftermath. But most of it, the majority of it, is is uh, that journey in fighting fighting the cancer. And your decision at the end, you also uh, made a decision to bring Patrick home, correct? So he he actually died in your home with loved ones by his side. Yes, yeah. It was that was. Uh, I am so glad I did that. Uh, it was kind of hard. It's, it's tough to be put in a situation where you have to make these decisions. But at that particular moment, I I needed to do it for my make that one and. At first, when I got him home, I thought I made the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. Is that right? Because, well, you know, I, you know, I, it's a very, it's a difficult transition to go from 200 percent trying to fight something, yeah, and work on health to making comfortable. That's right. And it's and it's completely different. It's a completely different way of thinking. Completely different techniques. You're using your medications for totally different reasons and in totally different ways. And, uh, you know, I, I and when I first took them home, I said, oh, you know, they said, well, you want the, the hospice nurses to show up to kind of go over some of the packages with you because they've left, had stuff delivered here. And, and I went, they could come in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I came over and looked at these packages. I'm like, what? I am so out of my league here. I was. Uh, it was like, but I got through the night. It was fine. And, you know, when they showed up, they explained everything to me. And I was like, you tell me what to do. I'm going to do it as perfectly as I possibly can. And they were, you know, these these ladies who came in to instruct me on what I needed to be doing were, they were just absolute, they're a whole breed of themselves in themselves. Sure. You know, and they're they're so good at what they do, and they were just so incredibly loving and caring. uh, It was amazing. It was really, they were helpful in so many ways. And uh, and you think uh, he knew you were there until until the very end, is that right? I hope, you know. It it gets a little, 
uh, it gets a little hard. I I think he absolutely, yeah. I thought the the opening to the the recent uh, People magazine story that was out uh, when you, you spoke to them and the opening of that story where you said just I guess it was just a few months ago you got on an airplane and you texted Patrick that you loved him because you were used to doing that and it it felt yeah. good and you said you, you and it you, didn't bounce back <laughs> yeah that's what I loved is that you know because I thought it was gonna maybe and I you know and like I I said in the article it's it's like a win win because either he got it. He got the message, or somebody out there is looking at that message and going, somebody loves me. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard that text messages sent to heaven are free of charge. Well, there we, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend, actually, when she's troubled, she, she'll write a letter to God, and she'll actually put it in the mail. <laughs> I, thought that, I think that's pretty cool, though. I think that's cool, too. So yeah, that's great. So he's... Uh, out, out there receiving your text messages. <laughs> and it's such a gift that Patrick will live on in his work and generations of, of children and, and adults can can en- enjoy him, you know, even long after he's passed. And it, it's a gift. Yeah, and, uh, you know, for sure he was an incredible, incredible man and with wonderful talent and uh an appetite for lo- life and love and friendship with people and he's you know he was who he was and there was a good reason for that <laughs> he was pretty special yeah and he'll and, always and be that way we'll always we'll always be able to see that yeah my favorite patrick Swayze moment i think was when he was on the oprah winfrey show but people didn't know he was on the Winfrey on the Oprah show because they had a couple that had become a YouTube sensation doing the dirty dancing dance at their wedding. That's so right. Oprah had the the couple on the show and they started playing the music and they did the dance and then the curtain comes up and there's Patrick Swayze in the background and he joined them with the dance and basically stole the girl from her husband and finished the dance with the lift and everything and it, it was just awesome and that's something that i was thinking about earlier today and it, it just brought a smile to my well, face because Jenna, that was him just to time the dirty dancing which is the, the 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 greatest movie of all time for that matter wasn't jennifer gray just diagnosed with thyroid cancer yes i i i'm i'm not sure exactly what the you know what she had done about it i she had it removed right i, I think or, i mean that's standard yeah, that's standard operating procedures to remove it, but uh, wow, that's interesting. That's circuitous serendipity, whatever you want to call it. Oh my well, gosh, we're, all, yeah. we're all affected, most of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Well, you, as we can tell, Lisa also shares that passion and zest for life, and you're active and out there and with dogs barking in the background. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. And horses. No, we love that. We welcome, we welcome uh, creatures great and small to the show. <laughs> <laughs> come on, they, come all. They, they can woof, woof along with us. So the book we all expect uh, will be out next year? Yeah, it should be about a year from now, I think, you know, because after I turn it in, it takes a while for them to get all together and everything like that. So Very much looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks. We, uh, I, we, we can't thank you enough for your time. Do you have any, I, uh, I mean, you have a, a worldwide audience here on the show. <laughs> what do you have to tell everybody? <laughs> Oh my! Wow. Mm. Well, I tell you what. In this whole 
process of what I've been through um, and what Patrick went through. You know, you do. There are some gifts that come along with learning some of the some of the terrible things you have to learn, but there are also some really wonderful things. And it's like taking time to appreciate what you've got, and uh, because just even sunlight coming through the curtains or bouncing on the wall can make everything the most beautiful thing ever. And it's it's appreciation. I, I don't think, think that could have been said any better. Uh, yeah, I oh. think <laughs> that that is my new T-shirt. That, maybe so. All of that. Maybe it could have been better. We have a lot of new T-shirts that have come out of this show. Thanks, <laughs> thanks to you, Lisa. And there's, there's a lot of love from our chat room being sent your way. A lot of there love. There are hearts and uh, smiley faces and flowers and all sorts of symbols that I don't, can't even figure out how these people know how to make all these things <laughs> <laughs> that are coming uh, through in our chat room here. Um, well, I, I think I think a lot of that is because of the love. You know, and joy that Patrick has spread around. So back at him. <laughs> Great. Hey, I have one quick question. Do you think somewhere up in heaven, Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley are re- reenacting the Chippendales audition that they did on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> Great. Now that's stuck in my head. <laughs> well, Patrick actually did a lot better than Chris Farley did in that sketch. Oh, of course yeah. he did. Uh, it was impossible for him not of, to. Of course he did. Yeah. Well, well they probably if there if there is such a place, there's probably a lot of great entertainment happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking this time. This was really uh, wonderful. I know I speak for all of us and all of our listeners who were thrilled to have you on the show, and and again for your honesty to share your feelings and how you, as a caregiver, in addition to what Patrick went through, but what you went through emotionally and are still going through. Uh, it's really important for so many people to hear, so that's much appreciated. And we'll look forward to to your book and uh, PanCan. We've got all the, as I said, all the other websites in our chat room, so we encourage everybody to check out and check out all those links uh, for pancreatic cancer and to and to pay attention and to yes. fund support and research for pancreatic yes, cancer. Yes, yes, yeah. Join in the fight. Absolutely. Well, it's okay. great talking to you guys. You're you're great. Thank you so much, Thank Lisa. You. Take care. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. All right. Okay. Lisa, Lisa Miami. Amazing. She's cool. Fantastic. She's a cool woman. I, I, I was waiting for someone to throw the Chris Farley reference in there. <laughs> and, of course, it was I wasn't Jack. sure if, you know, I talked about the Oprah, which was really awesome. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, we got to throw some humor in. Thank God, we Go have Jack. Thank God we have Jack to be on his couch at 4 o'clock to watch Oprah every day. <laughs> I know, right? Well, we've got the... I do watch Oprah every day. I know the, that. We've got the Ghost versus Dirty Dancing Best Swayze Movie competition going on right that's now. A t- that's a tough that call. That is a very tough call. Two completely yeah, but, different movies. But what about the guy's Patrick Swayze movie? Where he's, Roadhouse. He's, Roadhouse. Kicking, he's kicking ass and taking names. Roadhouse. What about Point Break with Keanu? Point, Point Break, Break was with, cool with too. Keanu Reeves. The the, the blonde. Yeah. Uh, what is the, yeah. the What's that called? You, you streak your hair blonde or something? Mohawk? Oh no, the blo- highlights? spiky. Yeah, highlights. Yeah. Highlights. Yeah. highlights. He highlighted that. Yeah, exactly. You never had highlights, Matt. I don't have hair. Hair <laughs> <laughs> on my scalp. You know what I love about Lisa though too? She's so. I mean, obviously she's been through a lot, and, and like I said again, she's so honest. But she's jovial. She laughs. She's got a great. There's just a great spirit about her. Well, we don't. Why would you? Crying the corner in the shower. Like, no, exactly. Do people but still do just, that? Because I really hope just, they don't. But you can just tell, speaking to her, that she's just she just sounds she's like making a, the most. She of sounds a like a good old gal. Yeah. Like you yeah. want to hang out and you know throw a couple back with her. <laughs> you know, you know what movie I just remembered he was in? The what? Outsiders. 
Oh, sure. It was the Red Dawn. That all-star cast. Red Dawn is like the greatest scary <laughs> destroy your hopes for the future as a sixth grader movie ever. Are you on IMDb, Jack? You were, uh, that was 1984, if no I remember. Jack doesn't know these he, things. He's acting like he's pulling all of this out of his brain. Yeah, but he's IMDb. just reading off the laundry list right. of Patrick. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I remember watching Red Dawn. When it was, Red Dawn was like 84, 83, something like 84. that. 84. Right. See? <laughs> I'm not on IMDb for the record, folks. Jack is on IMDb. I, I was 10. That movie scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Well, the Russians you know, invading Montana? Come on, who does? I, I was as ridiculous that he can, you can only suspend his belief so much, but I couldn't attend. Him. I was I was fourteen when Roadhouse came out, and I was just like, oh my god, this is like, this is a whole new adult world for me. Yeah, I wanted I wanted Swayze to take on Rambo. Wasn't after that Roadhouse. the re, was, wasn't he reunited with Pony Boy for Roadhouse? See Thomas Howell, who he was in The Outsiders with. Look that up on IMDb, Jack. Uh, hurry, Jack! Hurry, that, hurry! Yeah. Show's almost over. <laughs> anyway, what a great it was show. The, my first exposure to Sam Elliott, though, because he was like the badass older guy in yes, Roadhouse. He, yes, he was. Yes, but we digress. <laughs> this is a terrific show. Love, Hope, Strength. Love, Hope, Strength.org. Yeah. Again, I mean, the, the goal of this is to make everyone feel bad about themselves because we're not hiking Everest. You know, we're not to, starting foundations. We have superhuman <laughs> guests that do on it. Yes, yeah, superhuman guests that make us all feel terrible about ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, I want to thank our uh, all of our chat room, live chat room members and our listeners tonight. Rock uh, chat room tonight. Totally, totally amazing show. Um, and good. spread the word, folks. If your friends want to listen on iTunes or download us later. Yep. Well, with that, we will bid you adieu. And uh, now it is time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show, our 150th broadcast of 5 Zero. I can't even count that high. We hope you had as much fun poking a stick at stupid cancer as we did. All right, I'd like to thank our guests, Shannon Foley from Love, Hope, Strength, and Lisa Niemi. And our live studio audience, Kenny Kane, Mark Twan, Amanda Freeman, Carly Brown, Amanda Nixon, her mom, Jen, and Jennifer, Jessica Wren. Sorry about that. Next week's show, another crazy orphan cancer, lung cancer. Horrible survival rates for that. In our advocate spotlight, Megan Rogers, bereaved young adult cancer advocate and president of the National Collegiate Cancer Foundation. Hey, Co-Francesco, Director of Advocacy Relations at the Lung Cancer Alliance, and Beth Stern, Executive Director of the Longevity Foundation. If you've missed any of our past shows, subscribe to the iTunes podcast and download them all each week at itunes.i2y.com or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week live from the chemo deck, Jack Buffard. Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stubby and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Autumn. Get busy living.